As the world moves increasingly towards the mainstream adoption of Bitcoin and other digital assets, Moon Mortgage will make it possible to materialize your assets in real estate. Through the collateralization of mortgages with Bitcoin and other digital assets, Moon Mortgage will be launching lending solutions to allow investors to easily leverage their assets to purchase investment in owner-occupied properties. Moon Mortgage's crypto mortgage will be launching soon for home buyers in Texas, Florida, and Colorado and will be open to investors in most states across the U.S. for investment properties. Welcome to the future of mortgages. Visit moonmortgage.io today to register your interest and learn more. Moon Mortgage Residential is registered with the NMLS under number 235334. How are you doing, Stacey? Hi, yeah, good. Uh, you know, summer's just beginning here in El Salvador, as they call it, the dry season. So uh, it's it's looking good here. And, uh, you know, this is Bitcoin country. Where else do you want to be while it's freezing up north? And you're here with the waves, the volcanoes, the pupusas, the good coffee, and the Bitcoin. You know, coffee is near and dear to my heart. Tell me more about how good the coffee is in El Salvador. I just got back from Italy where I think I had some of the best coffee in the world. How, how does that compare to El Salvador? Well, the Italians are obviously good at preparing coffee, but of course the beans are made here. So when you are in El Salvador and your beans don't travel, you know, they're not packed into an airplane or a ship and sent around the world to your coffee table, you know, your breakfast table. So you get to have like the freshest coffee here and it's so good. I mean, Max and I were in, you know, France and Switzerland, Milan over the past few months. And I have to say, I was surprised at how poor the, the quality of the coffee was compared to what I'm used to now here in El Salvador. That's awesome. And Max, welcome to the stage. We're really excited to have both you and Stacy up here today. So uh, thanks for taking an hour to join us and, and uh, share your, your wisdom with us. Yeah, I've got some Salvadoran coffee right here. It's tasty. I got to know, do you drink it straight black or do you put coffee and cream in it like a sissy? Uh, this is just, but it's over ice, ice black. All right, that's okay. I can, I can handle that. So so let's talk about that, guys, real quick. Let's let's just start out, you know, as, as I don't know how many people in the audience know this, but you guys actually, you know, live in El Salvador now, which is pretty fantastic. So Tell us what life is like. You, you guys came from America. What's life like in El Salvador, especially from an American perspective? Well, it's amazing, really. It is Bitcoin country. So all of us on the stage here are Bitcoiners. And for quite a, a while now, for quite a few years, I've, I've felt more like a Bitcoiner than an American or any other nationality or, you know, identity. It's Bitcoiner is my first, how I would describe myself. And this is Bitcoin Nation, despite what you might read in, oh, say like Bloomberg or Reuters. It's Bitcoin through and through here. The government is, you know, the president, President Bukele is Bitcoiner as fuck. Like he's like, he's just orange pilled completely. And it feels good to be in a place like that, which is the opposite of 
what you see happening in America, and I, I use that quote all the time from uh, Bastiat, Frederick Bastiat, which is what he said, when plunder becomes a way of life for a group of men in a society, over the course of time, they create for themselves a legal system that authorizes it and a moral code that glorifies it. So, I mean, you see that from Sam Bankman-Fried to all the PPP and other sort of loan distribution, forgivable loans and free money that was distributed, like plunder everywhere, the plunder that you see in the small shops across you know, California. It's just... It's it's kind of like an end times of it's an end of a, a period and era there where it's the beginning of something here and you really feel what I always say that the, you know that there's a Renaissance 2.0 and an Enlightenment 2.0 and the Enlightenment you see the sort of protection of life liberty and property and pursuit of happiness here and the Renaissance 2.0 is Bitcoin just like the Florin hundreds of years ago attracted the best and brightest from around the world to Florence. The same thing is happening here in El Salvador. You know, it's still the very, very, very early days of it, but it's the beginning of a Renaissance 2.0. So you do feel a lot of hope and optimism and you do feel a lot of liberation, like a lot of the poor areas like Soyapongo, Ilopongo, Apopa in the San Salvador area have been liberated from, you know, plunderers, <laughs> essentially. And and people who were depriving them of life, liberty, and property. So you you see you feel a lot of optimism and hope here. And you know, as I also often say as well on Twitter, is it's the greatest rebrand in history. So you went from a nation that was up until three years ago the most uh, dangerous place on earth. It had the highest homicide rate in the world, and now it has the lowest in. Latin America, soon to be the Americas, that it ha will have the lowest homicide rate. Now, President Bukele has given me credit on Twitter. He said that, you know, I w w said, you know, that as Stacey Herbert always says, it's the greatest rebrand in history. But what I was merely saying was what I was observing him doing. So he he's the guy who rebranded this entire country and you know, it started before Bitcoin, but Bitcoin certainly has accelerated the the Renaissance 2.0 aspect of of what he has achieved so far in El Salvador. And it's just the beginning. I think that's fantastic. I love love hearing those stories. So why do you think there's such a uh, discrepancy between what you guys talk about and what the media portrays? Why are they so anti-El Salvador? Well, why, why would anything else, really? El Salvador represents a and so the mainstream media that doesn't report on the news so much or do journalism, they are just the cheerleaders for the status quo. And um, I think I would be more worried if, if it was different, if they were cheerleading for El Salvador, that would make me suspicious. But they're just playing to form, playing to type. They're doing their job as good propaganda. And I know uh, the truth. Also, you could you could uh, definitely see, as President Bukele just tweeted uh, less than 24 hours ago about the recent Bloomberg piece where he Bloomberg had written El Salvador's bombastic president promoted Bitcoin as a solution to the country's economic problems. One year in, it's clear his revolution is failing. Well, he said, well, this article is full of lies, which is standard for Bloomberg. But what is most surprising is how the mainstream media suddenly cares so much about El Salvador corrupt politicians plundered 
$37 billion from our state coffers, and they never wrote one single article. So as I said at the top, like when plunder becomes a way of life for a group of men at the top, you know, it's, it trickles down through the whole thing. So if, you know, I just see it as a lot of projection. So when they project a lot of the things that they're doing themselves, whether it's these Twitter files when, you know, the Democratic National Committee that they were they were projecting the fact that they were <laughs> interfering in elections by telling everybody else they were interfering and not them. So the same thing here is like this uh, fiat system, the U.S. dollar payment rails and settlements layer that we currently have lived under since 1971. You know, that's failing. And they are projecting onto others what they see in themselves. I think that's what it is partly to do with. Yes, I, I have a few questions. And I, Max, I know you had this long interview on, on Fox with Tucker a few days ago. I, I actually haven't keyed into that yet. But for, for much of the, the year in the past couple of years, when you were looking at like emerging market debt, El Salvador had their, I mean, they, they were basically pricing in the default, right? And, and Bukele said, President Bukele said they were going to repurchase uh, some of that back. And I, I, I believe they might have. Can you give an update on that? And just, you know, because obviously they were known to purchase a bunch of Bitcoin or like, I don't know how many million, I think 15 million or something, but they also had like, you know, kind of globally traded sovereign debt, I believe denominated in dollars that was kind of floating around and it was getting absolutely beat up relative to its par value. So can you just maybe give an update on the state of that? Um, Cause I haven't really been, been following what that's looked like. Oh yeah. Uh, well, the crediting, credit rating agencies are no less correct than other institutions the media, the press, and, and, and the whole lot. And so they were publishing falsehoods, El Salvador's debt. The president decided to call their bluff. And a few months ago, he retired a big piece of their external debt. And he just announced uh, last week he's going to retire all their debt. So they won't have any debt. And uh, but Moody's and S&P and Fitch haven't revised their uh, forecast yet, of course. Again, because remember, America is a kleptocracy and the rating agencies are part of that kleptocracy. Going plus, the economy is growing at 10.3%, tourism's up 100%, employment's up 7%, new business up 12%, exports up 17%, internal revenue up 37%, and all with a deficit domestically of approximately 5%. So they don't really have any debt. Uh, current debt, perhaps long-term debt, external debt. And so what can I say other than more American companies in the service of kleptocracy, making shit up again, what are you going to do? I'll also say um, there is still some outstanding debt, but they're, they're retiring some of the 2023 and 2025 debt. They bought it just the recent, uh, just a few days ago at a almost 38% discount. So, you know, they're saving for their country a lot of money. We had, we flew back from Mexico City just a few weeks ago on a short trip there. And we flew next to Alejandro Zelaya, the finance minister. And he pointed out that they had saved $275 million on repayments, which had never been like that sort of savings had never been achieved by the country previously. So just on their previous uh, debt buybacks. So they're repurchasing their debt at a discount. Who wouldn't do that? Like, especially 
you know, I always say that what we're doing here in El Salvador and what El Zante Capital, which is our VC fund, is doing here in El Salvador is we're betting big on El Salvador because we believe in President Bukele. We believe in Bitcoin country and we're betting big. And that's what I see is the president and finance minister Alejandro Zelaya have been doing is betting big on El Salvador. So why not buy your debt back at a discount? <laughs> it, it makes perfect sense to me. And I'm sure, I think I saw Greg Foss on stage at Adopting Bitcoin Conference here in San Salvador a few weeks ago, shouting something similar. Hey, while we're on the topic of El Salvador, um, shout out to Greg Foss, by the way. Hopefully he'll come and join us. Um, got a great question from the audience from Christian who asks, why do you limit your work only to El Salvador and why don't you expand it to other Latin American countries or the world? In my opinion, you should travel more. What do you, how do you respond? Well, so, we, you know, I'm working for, I work for President Bukele. So, you know, I don't have time to work for other leaders or, or heads of state or governments. And I have a passion for El Salvador and El Salvador needs to win and win big. And everything else will follow. So why dilute my efforts? by going elsewhere. I, I have been asked by, you know, other areas, <laughs> let's say, to help them out. But I've, you know, we're here, we're committed to President Bukele. And there, but there are other, like, certainly President Bukele's success is definitely rippling throughout Latin America, throughout the Central American region. And impacting even Mexico. And you see that like with Indira Kempis, the senator from Nueva Leon in, in Mexico, she is often citing President Bukele as an inspiration. And you see her more and more becoming a Bitcoin maximalist, for example, in her you know public announcements and statements. And his the fact that President Bukele has maintained such a Bitcoin maximalism as well is a source for inspiration for other leaders in the area. So I think working and helping and serving President Bukele is in a way already helping other Latin American nations because they're following his example. He said last year in 2021 that, you know, that he thinks of what he's doing as an Alexandria model. So this is something we're creating a template here that other nations can now follow whether you know you do the Bitcoin law legal tender first, then you do a Bitcoin office, then you do the securities law where you know Bitcoin is the legal tender and everything else is a security, and then you know you do things like the Bitcoin embassy, which we just opened in Lugano. So that's we're establishing the template. We're, like President Bukele is the leader, and he'll always be the leader. He's always the first mover, and that will never uh, change. So why not work for the best? Yeah. So just to follow up on that, the developing the template is key. So once the template is in place and it's up and running, then it can easily be exported to other countries. Max, this is, this is pretty epic rant. I, I forget when it was, but it was, we were basically saying that the world was fraud. And you were saying, you know, the banks are fraud, the institutions are fraud, and you go on this epic rant and, and you're screaming at the top of your lungs, what's the solution? And it's like raise interest rates now. And it's just a, it's a, this epic thing, right? Because, you know, you were saying, I forget what the date was, which might be key. But regardless, we've just seen, you know, the biggest, the, the fastest tightening cycle ever. 
and what do you what do you have happened in I mean really everywhere it's starting but specifically in the crypto land right all the frauds all the dead bodies washed ashore it's almost you know this this beautiful cleanse out and maybe we haven't even seen that in the real economy do you like is this do you think that this El Salvador thing and potentially setting the template for other nations if if all goes well is like kind of the the culmination of your two like like work in a way of like escaping global banker you know occupation if this if you know if this thesis is correct well yeah so that that was Rotterdam I think that might have been four or five years ago about raising rates and rates should have been raised at the time they, you know if you have a system that runs by but with central banks there is a certain responsibility of the banks. And if they were doing their job, they would have already started to raise rates. They waited till things started to fall apart is what they usually do. And now we're seeing the situation that we're seeing now. So as far as what's happening, you know, with Bitcoin and my life, you know, I made the decision five or six years ago to just let Bitcoin lead me. So I don't really, I just see what Bitcoin wants me to do. And I, and I do where, where Bitcoin puts me, you know, I don't know tomorrow or the next week or the next month where Bitcoin will want me, but I mean, I'm like the high priest of Bitcoin or the bishop of Bitcoin or whatever. So I wait for Bitcoin to tell me and I respond accordingly. And it's a mystery. I never know. The Bitcoin Magazine podcast is brought to you by CrowdHealth. With open enrollment upon us, what if you didn't have to pay healthcare premiums anymore? What if you can invest in Bitcoin instead? With CrowdHealth, you can choose your doctors, put aside money for your health expenses in your own account, and even hold a large part of it in Bitcoin. Pay one low monthly total to fund an account that is yours. If a large expense comes up, CrowdHealth will crowdfund the bill for you to pay quickly. Go to CrowdHealthBTC.com and use code BTCMAG and experience freedom from health insurance by utilizing Bitcoin. Right now through the end of the year, you can get your first six months for just $99 per month. Don't get stuck in a bad insurance plan again. Instead, go to crowdhealthbtc.com and use code BTCMAG to sign up. CrowdHealth is not health insurance. It's a totally different way of paying for healthcare. Terms and conditions may apply. Come celebrate Bitcoin winter in Miami at Bitcoin 2023. The largest Bitcoin conference in the world returns to Miami from May 18th to the 20th. Head on over to b.tc forward slash conference to get your tickets today. Use promo code BMLIVE to get 10% off of your tickets before prices go up. If you're like me and want to gain a deeper understanding of what's going on within the Bitcoin market and broader macro environment, you need to subscribe to Bitcoin Magazine Pro today. There's both a free and paid version of this daily newsletter where our market analysts break down what's going on in the markets so you don't have to. Subscribe today at BitcoinMagazinePro.com. Uh, hey, there's a, I'm uh, trying to let Ryan up from the audience. He has a question for you, but so maybe while, while I'm waiting for him to get up, looks like we're having connection issues. I, I have a question for you, Max, you, you have been so right. And Stacy too, you guys have been so right on Bitcoin for so long, right? I mean, I think 2011, when you guys started kind of pounding the table on it, what, what, what have you gotten actually wrong about Bitcoin? Has it, has it done things that you did not expect? Are, are there any things that you, you thought the world would look a certain way or Bitcoin would look a certain way at this point, but it doesn't? Or is, has, has it pretty much gone according to plan as far as you're concerned? Well, you know, my, my work in this area goes back to the mid-90s when I invented a, a virtual currency. I have a patent on that. And even it goes back even further to the 1980s 
when I was working on Wall Street. And that was the beginning of a really an era, a modern era of financial innovation and invention. So I've seen this coming really for 40 years and we are transitioning to a, a different type of reality. And Bitcoin is the force magnifier. You know, Bitcoin is the, 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 the thing that's pushing us over the edge and getting us to where we need to be. So I've seen it coming for a while. Now we're entering kind of what I would call the Bitcoin singularity. And so this is not completely a surprise, but I guess, you know, you can never, you can never underestimate how stupid people are, you know, keep that in mind. People will always surprise you. Like, the people who are getting caught up in these DeFi slams and the yield farming and all that stuff, epically stupid. I'm surprised that there are still that many stupid people out there, but yeah. I definitely feel like, you know, certainly 11 years later versus 2011, Bitcoin itself, I mean, the, the, at, at fu fundamental level, it was always what it is right now, but it's almost like an evolutionary device is that it adapts, including seemingly being so easy and seemingly being like this magic internet money. And Bitcoin was very easy to find back in 2011. Like people were giving it away. There were all those faucets. Mati Malmi gave away like 30,000. Gavin Andreessen gave away 30,000 on a faucet. Like it, it just seemed abundant and easy to get and that it would always be like this forever. And at that time, those two were obviously technologists. And I, I think I, I assumed like these guys, the coders were the, the ones who understood Bitcoin. And it was this genius technology and all the cryptography and all these like fancy things that th this is like what made Bitcoin special. And then when they all walked away, remember, there was a whole series of rage quits of people like. Gavin injuries and like Mike Hearn and everybody, they were all like rage quitting Bitcoin because they couldn't get their way because the plebs, you know, the users actually were the ones controlling it. So the, when they walked away, like there were that a few, you know, moments of doubt in my mind of like, oh, well, if the smartest guys in the room, if the technologists or the coders, if those guys are run walking away, then surely like at least these other coins will help save the day or whatever it was going to be. But, you know, I think Bitcoin was kind of like hiding behind, like it was like an evolutionary device and needed to be spread around the world as far and wide as possible to create the best, most anti-fragile network effect. And it did it quite well by seemingly being something that was just so easy to get. And now you realize how hard it is to get. And, you know, that that is one of the, the biggest changes in my mind. And then, of course, when Safe Dean put a lot of that into a, a way, a framing device of of the time preference that really started to shift my understanding, my own, own relationship to Bitcoin. Ryan, we brought you up here. You had a question for Max and Stacey. Go, go for it. Yeah. Hi, you guys. Thanks again, Jeff. And Max, Stacey, thanks again for all your work you're doing down there. Uh, my question for you is in regards to just everything we're seeing here in the States and obviously the direction we're seeing going, like you're saying, we're on the de decline yet they're on the incline. I'm really curious, like, just on an update on the opportunity for second citizenship down there. Is there any updates? 
on that that we can look forward to that has been taking place. I appreciate your time. I think that's coming. Those laws are still being worked on. The securities law was just submitted. So it's a bill at the moment. And hopefully that will be voted into law, you know, by Christmas or so. Who knows when it'll pass, but hopefully it'll be soon. Once the securities law is passed and the pension reform is is also being voted on and debated and stuff like that at the moment, then there are a package of other bills that the president has drafted, and he's publicly talked about this, which includes the citizenship thing. But that is the number one question that people ask us. Like many people are asking about the citizenship, and I think they're working on that. And and hopefully we'll see something soon. Certainly we we hope to see something by the time the volcano bond is issued. So just uh, give it a few more weeks. Thank you. I appreciate that. And is there any? I know before it was. Stated, okay, it was three Bitcoin. I know with the volatility, is it still sticking with that? Or are they going more off of the dollar-based valuation or will they stick to a Bitcoin valuation on how many? We'll see when the president submits it. I, 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 I can't say anything further than Perfect. that, really. Awesome. Thank you, Stacey. Got another good question from the audience here for you guys. BTC Vol asks, how big is, and this is probably directed to you, Max, how big do you think the BTC paper derivative market is? Do you see? Well, it's a lot smaller than it was a couple of months ago, thanks to the collapse of uh, a lot of really bad actors. Ultimately, it doesn't really have any factor on anything. So, it doesn't really, doesn't it doesn't really factor in on anything. the The network is healthy. It TikTok next block. The you know the network was at two hundred and forty quintillion ashes per second. It was at 300 recently. So it's, it's near all-time highs. That's really the key, the key um, number to look at. Price, you know, it's, it's going to go up, but it's always going to go up. And the network is, is healthy. So what happens in the derivatives game and all these offshore exchanges? I mean, they're just blowing themselves up. They're going to be cash poor. They're going to be they won't be able to, they're, they're going to get blown out of their Bitcoin and they're going to be scrambling to buy at a much higher prices. So they'll, they'll come back, but higher prices. I think at the end of the day, it shouldn't personally matter to you. If you hold your own keys, you're fine. <laughs> like let the plunderers and the fiat fraudsters play their games and they all get wrecked. Look at, look at this sort of people. Sam Bankman-Fried was allegedly worth 30 billion. Now he's worth negative 30 billion. Like all of these guys, Celsius, Mashinsky, all of these, uh, Do Kwan, all of these, you know, 3AC, all of them, like they're all worth nothing now because, well, they played stupid uh, rehypothecation games. And as long as you hold your own keys, you're fine, but let them get wrecked. Just don't do it to yourself. DB, speaking on the, on the stage, how's it going? I don't know if you have any. I'll add is that if it wasn't for paper Bitcoin, Mr. Kaiser's 200K by conference prediction would have come true. So I just want to make sure that everyone is aware of, of that. And speaking of, maybe we should get that going right here. What, what's uh, Max, everybody always wants to know your price predictions. So what, what's your next conference day prediction? I think the Bitcoin conference Miami is in May, mid-May of 2023. Price of Bitcoin will be? Well, again, like I was saying the and when you're investing the only thing really you have to get right is the direction 
and the direction is up. So, and I look looking at the health of the network, it's strong near all time highs in terms of uh, hash. So, is the, the direction is up? I, I mean, people get caught up in the price. I mean, the price doesn't really say anything. It's a the price of Bitcoin never moves, actually. It's the rest that the, the world around Bitcoin is moving. Bitcoin doesn't move. So if you're looking at price, you're looking at the metaverse. You're looking at a, a, a shadow. You're looking at something that doesn't really, it's not there and it doesn't make any sense. It's just not relevant in any way. So, get, get, you know, get there's a deeper, you know, so it's, it's it doesn't mean anything. I mean, it's just like, I see Tim Tim Draper just said he's looking for two hundred and fifty thousand in twenty twenty three. He's you know real bullish on it. You know, could easily be that price, but it, it's foolish to to put you know to make that as some signifier or signal in any way. It's not signal. It's noise. I love it. I always say that price is the uh, the most boring part of Bitcoin, but it's what everybody seems focused on. I mean, by far, what's more important is what you know. What is the hash rate doing? What is adoption doing? How much infrastructure is getting built out? As long as uh, as long as those things still look good, and I anticipate they'll look good for decades and centuries to come, then then the easiest thing in the world to do is just simply hold Bitcoin, and you'll do well. Have you ever heard Warren Buffett give a price prediction ever for any stock he's ever owned? No, he never has in 60 years. He just looks for value and he buys the value and he lets the market just be the market. I mean, this idea of predicting prices is really an amateur's kind of game that that is, nobody who's a serious investor looks at price. They look at to see if it's value or not. The price will always catch up at some point, but if there's value, you want to own it. So the value on the network has never been stronger. So you, you would want to own it and then let let the market take, let nature take its course. I mean, fiat money has always gone to zero and banks are in total disarray. The system is in complete catastrophic systemic disorder, which perfect conditions for Bitcoin. You know, it's if it's at a price that everyone says is super cheap, that's, Again, returning to the Warren Buffett analogy, I mean, he would say, well, that's, that's when you buy them. You buy them when they're cheap. You know, you know, that's the time to buy. As long as you get the direction right, and as long as you understand what you're doing and you understand the value, you would want to get that thing at the best price possible. That's an awesome answer. Ajax just brought you up. Do you have a question or comment for Max and Stacy? Yeah, I did. And I, I appreciate being brought up. Big fans of you both. I just had a, uh, this is more for, for Stacy. Do you think, I mean, obviously I, I'm not too specific on this, but I believe when, you know, when El Salvador started going real Bitcoin, you know, they didn't have that much dealings with the IMS when it comes to, you know, the amount of money that they were either being lended by the IMF, and I just want my my question is more revolving around that. You think a lot of these South Africa or South American countries, and and with the African countries, do you think that the their kind of the amount that they need to lean on the IMF will determine their Bitcoin stance? Well, we know for a fact that the IMF just forced Argentina to when they took a new loan that they would not pass any Bitcoin legal tender law. So 
from what I understand as well, the IMF is not against crypto. They're against Bitcoin. So if your country adopts Bitcoin Cash, I might I might point out that when Max mentioned Tim Draper, Tim Draper also this week, aside from saying Bitcoin would go to 250,000, we must ask like what exactly he was talking about because he says St. Kitts has adopted Bitcoin as legal tender or they're planning on it. But in fact, they're adopting Bitcoin Cash. So, you know, that's, that's a sort of mindset of the IMF. We are perfectly happy with nations to adopt a digital asset standard, which is a CBDC, which is something like Ethereum, where you can, you know, fork away the um, bad actors, like, you know, just just as SWIFT can cut off entire nations, like Ethereum will be able to do something like that or any of the other shit coins. So they don't mind those sort of things as long as there's a CEO that they could uh, press to, uh, you know, punish any nation they don't like. Or whatever like that but we've seen with argentina so that was the most recent one just in the past few like two or three months where argentina had to accept that they would not use bitcoin as legal tender and you said that was that was them based off a new loan because i i I was listening to i believe what bitcoin did and i thought i heard them say that i believe it was gladstein's interview that they already had they still had about nine billion ish that they could still pull from from their other loan so that that was a new loan that they took where that was the guidelines for that? Again, you know, I really only focus on El Salvador, but looking at I I you have to look it up, but the head I did see a headline that Argentina was forced to say that they're not going to uh use Bitcoin as legal tender. So even if they're they have nine billion still left in their previous phone, that's not, not much for a, an economy which is like constantly in debt and constantly hyperinflating and will it will spend nine billion very rapidly. So we've seen them blow through just in the past fifteen years of me and Max reporting. How many times have they gone bust, and how many IMF loans have they received? It's it's hard to keep track of it. Yeah, I, I that was really my my only question, and I thank you. the uh, The only really other thing I wanted to say was, you know, I, I I seen Max a lot on I believe it's Tucker Carlson's show, and I just wanted to point out I, I'm a I'm I'm a pretty big fan of of watching that. I'm not really a fan of, you know, any kind of political leaning, but I did want to point out that I think it was the president of CME group accidentally Freudian slipped. And I, this is, they, they did get a clip of this. He Freudian slipped and said that he bribed his CFTC officer to which he got no pushback from Tucker or, or really anybody on that, that mainstream media about why he said bribed and not asked. So I just wanted to put that out there. Thank you guys. I really appreciate you guys bringing me on. Thanks, Ajax. Uh, Captain brought you up. Do you have a question or comment for Max and Steve? Captain Mara? Question uh, or comment? I, I hit the wrong button. Hey, Max and Stacey, I, I'm curious if you would uh, agree with this framing. You know, if I was a country and I was uh, looking to get an IMF loan, I feel like actually embracing Bitcoin and trying to you know, position Bitcoin as a viable alternative actually increases your negotiation leverage with the IMF and actually increases some of the, the, the terms that you might be able to negotiate. Would you would you agree with that? Well, I mean, if you're starting to play games with the IMF, then you're you're scooping down to their level. And so just, you know, make Bitcoin legal tender and 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 dump the IMF and move on because they're bad actors. And the sooner you can get out from underneath, the better. 
I definitely think it does. Bitcoin is asymmetric in terms of the, not only have you seen what, how much leverage it gave El Salvador for President Bukele to rebrand this nation from the worst story in the world to the best, but also look at the billions of dollars in free press coverage President Bukele has received for El Salvador based on making Bitcoin legal tender and his Bitcoin purchases. Like they cannot avert their eyes. They are just obsessed. So that shows the immense leverage that Bitcoin does give the smallest nation in in Latin America, you know, to have a huge voice. And that is always power. So, yeah, I do agree that if you adopt Bitcoin before the IMF can get to you, it does give you a huge amount of leverage because it is fuck you money. So it is better to go to the IMF with fuck you money in your balance sheet than to show up with a begging bowl in hand because then you're their bitch. Yeah, I kind of get the the vibe from some of the IMF papers that have been put out there that they're basically begging Bukele to like stop doing things with Bitcoin. I mean, I feel like at this point they'd pay him to stop doing things with Bitcoin. And so that's a materially better place to be. And I think just from like the, the standpoint of like selling Bitcoin to other governments, you know, not everyone is quite ready to embrace the hyper Bitcoinization train. But, you know, to just be able to like, you know, the first hit is free, like, hey, if you have a, a debt to renegotiate, you know, getting in bed with Bitcoin a little bit is going to get you sweeter terms. I feel like that's a persuasive kind of pitch. It's like no downside. Yes, I agree with you. Max doesn't think you should uh, deal with the IMF, but I do agree from especially in Latin America and all these countries that already do have existing IMF outstanding loans and stuff like that. If you adopt Bitcoin now, it does give you a huge amount of leverage. And yes, it's quite clear even the stuff that is has been made public that the IMF is very focused on El Salvador and El Salvador alone they don't seem to care about the profligacy of Argentina and the never ending cycle of bailouts and and defaults on the debts that they even owe the IMF they don't care about that what they care about is the sovereignty they care about uncensorable money they care about a nation adopting a fuck you money standard. Nice. Vass or Vaz brought you up here. You have a question or comment for Max and Stacy? Yeah. Hey, thanks for bringing me up, first of all. Um, fans of you guys. So, Dylan, I posted I, 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 on, one of your, on one of your threads the other day a conversation that I had with some gentleman from, from Turkey. He was talking, so in the same vein, he was talking about Argentina. They have one of the highest inflation rates. Turkey, obviously, one of the highest inflation rates, 80, 84%. The, the gentleman was telling me that, I'm, so my question is, how do we prevent, the, the, in theory, we have so much inflation in these countries, it would incentivize people in these countries to, to flee via the vehicle of Bitcoin. But he was going through his phone, he was showing me on his banking app that he could just, he had $50,000 and a lot of these merchants here do have money, they have lots of money. And he, and he showed me that on his banking app, uh, you know, if you, if you just basically stake up to $50,000, you get 20% yield over the course of 32 days. 
So if you if you extrapolate and you do the math, that's 240% a year Damn. on an on an inflation rate of of 84%. So that's 140% yield farming per year. Well, how do you I mean at what I mean obviously it's honestly that's an unsustainable yield that's kind of like a shitcoin. It's like it's like staking with Terra Luna or something. So how, what happens in Turkey? I mean, eventually they're just going to rug pull everybody, right? I, I mean, I'm not sure here, but I, I believe that the whatever yield he was getting quoted on was probably in an annualized annualized percentage, and and whatever that I mean, it's it's still under the inflation rate. So I mean, if it's Turkey, right? Like, what is that the Turkey central bank rates, and it's probably what like twenty percent or something? I mean, am, am I wrong here? So I, I think that's it's not that they're. Well, I mean, it's a Ponzi in a different way. It's not a Luna, an anchor Luna UST style Ponzi necessarily. And and the yield that's being farmed is just, you know, the currency debasement, right? So if rates are that high, inflation spiraling out of control that much, right? So it's just, an, you know, it's, a, it's an emerging market shitcoin, but it's still, you know, it's going to lose value against the dollar. It's going to lose value against goods and services. Uh, and, and that's the case for really every fiat when, when interest rates are, are well below levels of inflation. They're all almost like derivatives of each other. Um, but yeah, I mean, I can't offer any perspective from talking about developing nations emerging on a Bitcoin standard. Like transparently, I, I've grown up in the West with, you know, as, as shitty as a dollar has been, it's been a very stable currency relative to other other denominations. So maybe I'm not the best person to opine on, on that. But in terms of the, the question you asked, I, I would really imagine it's an annualized percentage they were quoted for the next 30 days. Thanks, Voss. Mike, filmmaker, welcome to the stage. You got a question or comment for Max and Stacey? Yo, Dr. Jeff. Yes, Max and Stacey. What's up, friends? Um, I had a question that I heard through the grapevine that, that back in 2017, or close to Bukele's run for presidency, that he had come across Bitcoin because he was being financially threatened by the Central Bank of El Salvador, and I think it's just some of the other financial institutions to freeze his account if he wouldn't play ball, get in line, wait for his turn for presidency. So I just want to know if you guys knew anything about that or if there's, if there's any truth in that rumor. I, well, I was actually the first one to find that tweet of his online. And it's from 2017, where he said, all right, then we're going to go on a Bitcoin standard. So that was in 2017 when he was uh, mayor of San Salvador. I, I think it was because the, the, the person he was responding to had deleted their tweet. So I don't know exactly what he was responding to. But in terms of when he first talked about Bitcoin, some locals here have told me that they heard him first talk about it in 2014 or 15 at some sort of public event. So yeah, he's, well, he's, you know, he's definitely orange pilled. Like he's a Bitcoin maximalist, I would describe him as. And so he seems to have definitely been around it for quite a while and understand it. So I don't know what, why he mentioned a Bitcoin standard at first, but he did say that he would adopt a Bitcoin standard back in 2017. It's on Twitter. Thanks. And he sure did. Hi, uh, Theory or Terry, I don't want to get your name wrong. Uh, welcome to the stage. You got a question or comment for Max and Stacey? Yeah, well, first of all, thanks a lot for having me. You know, like I was I was at this stage with uh, Elon Musk, not so long in the spaces. And it seems like he wants to turn the Twitter spaces into kind of like a civilian reporting thing, but then also Twitter as a whole as the everything app. But, you know, the question is like what the money is going to be. So it seems like this is into Dogecoin. And also, you know, I, I'm, I'm very, I'm very interested to, to be here because a lot of people mistaken me 
as, as a critic for Bitcoin. But I wanted to ask, you know, what do you guys think about the following thesis? When, when Satoshi wrote the white paper of Bitcoin, he was very careful about his words. And he said it was an electronic peer-to-peer cash system. And so to me, cash is different than money, you know, in terms of vocabulary. So, you know, the way I think of it is it's, it's, it's not money, it's, it's cash. And uh, he was very careful with this. So essentially to me, the US dollar is a shit coin. And, and, and then Bitcoin is basically also fiat, but, but it's just that it's got 21 million as a, as a, as a, as a cap of supply. So it's better than the other fiat. So I want to know like what your, 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 your opinion is about this statement and like how, how you would respond to this. Yeah. Well, Satoshi wrote the code first and the white paper second. And he famously said that he was very bad at describing the code in the white paper. And during his notes, when he was writing the code, he said that Bitcoin is essentially digital gold. So I think this, this, this kind of idea that it's similar to the words used peer-to-peer cash, he means gold if you read his work. And if you, if you don't get that, then I'm sorry, I don't have time to explain it. Yeah, yeah, no, I mean, it's just for the discourse and I'm sure like... Yeah, I just said I don't have time to explain it if you don't get it. That's what I just said. Thank you. Thanks. That's, that's exactly what I'm, what I'm looking at. Let's move on to another topic, back to El Salvador and how Bukele is Bitcoiner as fuck. I like the new title of this conversation. Hey, Max and Stacey, I have a question for you. Could you kind of give us an update with what's happening with the volcano bonds? I know it went to Congress recently for approval. So I wasn't sure if you had any any more updates. Uh, the president will update everybody when he is ready to. And all I can say is that pretty much if you go to Bloomberg or Wall Street Journal or CNBC or New York Times, read them Reuters and then it's the opposite. <laughs> they always have the exact opposite of what, what is about to happen. So whatever they're saying, it's the opposite. But President Bukele will be the one to announce it. Once the securities laws pass, then, of course, it paves the way for the, the volcano bonds to be issued. And the first one, he'll be announcing when he announces it. But I predict a massive success. I love it. Uh, DJ Valerie, welcome to the stage. Good to see you. How are you doing? And do you have a question or comment for Max and Stacey? Yeah. Hey, thanks, Dr. Jass. Hello. How you guys? Thanks for doing this. I just got back from El Salvador from the Adopting Bitcoin conference, and I ended up getting to stay for an extra week and totally fell in love with the country, fell in love with the people. And I'm just like, okay, what can we Bitcoiners all around the world do to you know, focus our laser eyes like 10 minutes a day on El Salvador. So Max and Stacy, like, what do you guys think like we can do on a daily basis to like move the needle forward as, you know, everyday Bitcoiners here in, you know, in our hometowns? Well, I always say this is Renaissance 2.0 and this greatest rebrand in history is attracting the best and the brightest. I know Dylan LeClaire, you were saying you were looking for a place to live. Like, President Bukele wants people like you to live here. Like he's, he's, El Salvador is open for the best and the brightest to come and build because, you know, we're building 
an entire new, you know, and something that's never been done before. Like this, this is the the closest equivalent would be like a, a Florence 2.0 or as he says, an Alexandria or a Singapore. Like this is all of that rolled into one. So, you know, come if you have excellence, we, we want the excellence. We want the builders. We want the 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 people who are going to, you know, not take, but give and build because that's what this is what El Salvador is here for. That's what President Bukele, he's the, leading us there. In terms of what you could do there, you know, there's a saying, don't trust, verify. You know, don't, you don't need, you You could read all the FUD you want. You could read all the legitimate institutional elite press that you want, but don't just drink their Kool-Aid. Come and verify it for yourself. If you think, oh, like I love Bloomberg and I trust them so much and I love the Financial Times and I love the BBC and these are my favorite papers and I grew up with them and these are like my mom and my dad love, like the come here and see for yourself. It does, you know, just show up. It's, it's two hours from Miami. It's a short flight. Come here and see for yourself and you'll see, you'll verify for yourself that those you know, that the Bloomberg is lying to you, that Reuters is lying to you, that CNBC is lying to you, that New York Times is lying to you, that Washington Post are lying to you, just like they lie about everything else. So you can see for yourself. You don't even you don't need to trust me. Just come here and verify for yourself and, you know, push back. So now that you've been here, you can you could be one of these people that say, well, I verified for myself that you're a liar because I was just there. And what you're saying is wrong. Yeah. Well, I spent 10 minutes a day thinking about stuff there. I wouldn't Spend 24 hours a day living here. Trust me, I've I've already started looking at ways to get myself down there. I've got two teenagers here, so they're not willing to leave. <laughs> but but Mama Val wants to get herself down there a lot. So definitely, guys, like get your butts down to El Salvador. If you're going to take a vacation with your families, like go to El Salvador and check it out for yourselves. That's that's it. So thanks again, you guys. Keep rocking. And if you mind, if I piggyback right on top of this real quick. So each time I've been to El Salvador, I've met Salvadorans down there who have been coming back for the first time in decades. And it's always some type of reconciliation with their family. I met a man who made amends with his dad. I met a woman who brought her son to meet his grandmother for the first time. <clears throat> so all the things that Stacy said, attracting all this great talent is also what you get is you get this crazy, beautiful energy of these people who have had such a difficult time for decades and decades and decades. And now have hope so quickly, like whiplash. It, it's just a really beautiful, I mean, just talk to anybody on the street. You don't even have to go to El Salvador. Find El Salvador living close to you. And they will tell you a similar story of this profound hope and like just happiness that they have for their country. So all of this stuff blended together, like the energy is palpable. You can really feel it when you're there. You, you got to go there if you haven't been there. Hey, I just want to, Dr. Jeff, thanks for letting me up. Uh, I just wanted to say that, Mike, you know what's crazy? That, like, throughout South America and Latin America, like, people are starting to, like, hear about El Salvador because I, I even have, like, sisters that, although they migrated from South America to Spain, they 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 know what's happening in El Salvador because they've heard, like, how, how the country's turned around and, like, how this young president is doing, like, great things. And And for us, like, Latin American people, like, we... We have always like wanted and we crave someone to come and like turn our countries around. Sort of someone that's like outside of that like two party type system that I feel like tries to mimic like the United States. And obviously like the United States has had a lot of influence in South America. But yeah, man, like that, it, it, it's, it's, I look up to him like as, as, as a Hispanic person. I'm like, 
that's what we need. We need people like him that can take the reins of a country and like turn it around so quickly. Uh, and plus he's a Bitcoiner, so it's it's amazing. And, and my question for Stacy and Max is like, for how difficult is it for Americans to find like permanent residency in, in El Salvador? Like, do you guys know other than like investing money, of course? I think it's pretty relatively easy compared to say Europe or Australia or Canada. So I think relative to those, it's already easier, but it's, I believe it's also about to get a lot easier and more streamlined once the securities law and the, also the pension reform passes, then the, the new immigration laws will uh, be introduced. So it'll get even easier than it already is. Hey, we're running, a little, we're running a little short on time. We've got about three minutes left. So let's take two more questions from people who've been up here. Michael Markle, I think you're next in line. What's going on? Hey, I appreciate you guys giving me a chance to speak. I joined a little bit late, but I see the title. And I was actually down in El Salvador with my girlfriend and myself for Jimmy Song's programming Bitcoin class with El Salvadorians. And Stacey, first off, thank you so much for sponsoring that event. But we absolutely loved it down there. We were truly mind blown, truly mind blown at how, just how, just from what you think you're going to expect to what it actually was. So I'm definitely seeing El Salvador having a bright future. Yeah. And again, you know, that, that Jimmy Song course, the best and the brightest are just so attracted to El Salvador because President Bukele has, he's inspiring. He's, he's a guy who believes in the future of El Salvador, who believes in himself and believes in Bitcoin. And it's, it, it's intoxicating. People are coming here. Jimmy Song is in love with this country. He came and helped you know, train our Jimmy Song Seven, we call them, you know, the first seven Bitcoin programmers here in this country because it's Bitcoin country and we need, pro, you know, Salvadoran programmers. So, you know, we're Bitcoin, we're Bitcoiners, right? We're all Bitcoin family and this is Bitcoin country and therefore it's your country. And and just to build the, the El Salvadorian programmers that were in that class with myself and my girlfriend, who is a tech exec at Facebook, we, are, we were mind blown at the passion the El Salvadorian programmers had. And they are way more hungrier than, than me, and I'm pretty dedicated to Bitcoin. So thank you guys for letting me speak. I might add that one of those programmers, Mario Jose, he's joining me in the Bitcoin office, which the president has just ordered, you know, the Bitcoin, he's created the Bitcoin office through a decree under his, you know, in his office, the executive office. And one of those programmers that passed the Jimmy Song course is a uh, part of the Bitcoin office. So yeah, it's, uh, you know, it's Bitcoin plus Bukele equals boom times for El Salvador. I love it. This is a fantastic conversation. Uh, hey, Bitcoin for kiddos, you got the last question and before we have to head out. All on. right, awesome. What an honor to talk to, uh, to, to Max Stacy and ask this question. When my family and I were down in El Salvador back in September, excuse me, back in uh, April, we were taking a look at some real estate and we were very excited to see the appreciation of the, of the, the, the property prices in El Salvador. But one of the challenges that we had with finding properties was kind of the disconnect between the different regions and the local communities that kind of keep secret what properties are for sale and what aren't. Has, have you guys heard of or is there any discussions about kind of building more of like a, an MLS system like we have here in the United States to help people kind of find properties and, and, and rents around the country? 
Well, I think you have to talk to Roman Martinez Chimbera. Like we haven't even bought any property. Max and I are working all the time. Like I pretty much have been working 24 seven, you know, for since uh, moving here in January. And so I don't have even any time to go looking to buy property. Plus I just, you know, I'm investing my time and capital and energy into building, you know, a bigger project than, you know, investing in any property. But Chimbera, you know, who everybody knows from Bitcoin Beach, he does sell real estate. He works in real estate, but yeah, some sort of Zillow sort of thing. Are you saying, you know, yeah, that would be a great idea for this country. Yeah, exactly. Hey, I want to be respectful of Max and Stacy's time. You guys have been awesome and gracious to to be with us for this hour. We really appreciate it. Max and Stacy, if you have any final words for the audience, we'd love to hear it. Any, any parting words of wisdom? Well, yeah, yeah just uh, come on down. This is the dry season now. The weather is now perfect and at 83 degrees, low humidity, and it's all happening. Come on down. El Salvador is winning. And stop drinking the elite's Kool-Aid and, you know, they keep on telling you otherwise. So come and verify for yourself that El Salvador is winning. And this is indeed the greatest rebrand in history. You'll see that it's not just a surface level rebrand. It's down to the core, the foundation of the entire society, culture and economy here. So come check it out. Uh, you'll you'll bound you. You are bound to run into me and Max walking around. We're, we're everywhere in San Salvador. So come, come, come have a coffee with us. The best coffee in the world, by the way, in El Salvador. I love it, guys. Yeah, don't just trust Max and Stacey, you guys. Go verify for yourself. Get to El Salvador and check out what's going on there. It's literally a revolution happening, like right under our noses. So it's awesome. Thanks, you guys, so much for coming. CK, thank you for hosting. And everybody, thank you for coming up and asking questions of these guys. Max and Stacey are true gems in the Bitcoin space. So we'll be back on Thursday doing this again at the same time. Thanks for coming today and, and have a great evening, everybody. Don't forget to subscribe to Bitcoin Magazine. Yeah, that too. Uh, also, also the Bitcoin conference, May 18th through the 20th, the ultimate gathering of Bitcoiners in Miami Beach, Florida, the original place where uh, Bukele made his announcement uh, two years ago. Doesn't seem that long. It seems like, you know, ancient history, but that's where history is made in the Bitcoin conference. So get your tickets to that. Be a part of history. Subscribe to Bitcoin Magazine. Jeff, Dylan, Sam putting together amazing work every single day. But until then, peace. And thank you, Stacey and Max. Come celebrate Bitcoin winter in Miami at Bitcoin 2023. The largest Bitcoin conference in the world returns to Miami from May 18th to the 20th. Head on over to b.tc forward slash conference to get your tickets today. Use promo code BMLIVE to get 10% off of your tickets before prices go up. Bitcoin is for everyone. Lefties, righties, and rejectors of the false dichotomy alike. And that is why the newest Bitcoin Magazine print edition is called The Orange Party Issue. It features articles by President Naya Bukele, Jeff Deist, Beauty On, Natalie Smolensky, Eric Kaysen, Max Kaiser, and Jimmy Song. Get your copy at your local Barnes & Noble's bookstore or from the Bitcoin Magazine store at store.bitcoinmagazine.com and use promo code BMLIVE to get 10% off your annual subscription today. If you're like me and want to gain a deeper understanding of what's going on within the Bitcoin market and broader macro environment, you need to subscribe to Bitcoin Magazine Pro today. 
There's both a free and paid version of this daily newsletter where our market analysts break down what's going on in the markets so you don't have to. Subscribe today at BitcoinMagazinePro.com.